sovereign God that you are. I just thank you. I worship you. I honor you, adore you. We adore you, God. And we know that there is none like you. And we are just so grateful in this moment to one again, once again, get another opportunity to speak to your people, God, for you to pour into us. And we just ask and welcome you to sit in the midst of the conversation and have your way, God. We ask that lives are changed, that mindsets are renewed, that strongholds are broken, that chains are destroyed, that yokes, Lord God, are scrambled in Jesus name. Lord God, just because we are in your presence and we are getting to once again um, commune with you. So we find it a privilege and an honor, this responsibility we don't take lightly. We decree and declare that it will be fun. It will be conversational, but most importantly, that it will be edifying and Holy Spirit led. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this space. We say that you can think through our minds, speak through our lips, and give us the tongue of the learn so that God is glorified and all the hearers as well as ourselves are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Did you Come say yolks be scrambled? Scrambled yolks. Mm-hmm. What? It just slipped. It just sounded like it needed to be had. We, I had already used the word destroyed. But you can't scramble a yolk. Egg yolk and Hi, everybody. I am your conversationalist, Cassandra Lenore, and I am joined by a person who knows that yolk is spelled Y O K E and not Y O K. Just say your name and stop putting me on my name. My name is on the screen. My name is Dana Kyle. Dang, yolk definitely can't be scrambled because it is Y O K E and not Y O L K. What? Do not, you're right. Do not attach that to um, my head, but my heart. I promise you, I am a great writer and author and publisher. <laughs> so take us away, Dana. Save your friend. Save me. Did you preach on yokes one time? Girl, why are you going to keep on going? Because <laughs> <laughs> it happened in the midst of prayer. Sometimes you just be like, I don't know. Anyway, so this scroll thing kills me every time. Anyway, so over the was it a weekend? I guess it was a weekend. I had a conversation with some friends, and yeah, I guess we weren't social distancing, but there was less than ten of us. We had a little barbecue, and two of us were the ones who like stayed up the latest. It was like two o'clock in the morning while everyone else was going to sleep. And we wound up getting into a conversation because, 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 because my friend was like, so can we play R. Kelly or not? So then that turned into the whole R. Kelly conversation, which turned into a very good and deep conversation. It turned into a conversation about black molestation or molestation in the black community and molestation in the black family. And it also turned into a conversation about redemption and the use of the word victim. Being that I'm in a criminal justice field, I, I have a professional duty to work with quote unquote victims, but I also have a ideological, ideological understanding that the word victim is not binary and that that doesn't mean that there's one offender and one victim. 
Like that's, it's not a binary system in that sense. So an offender could be a victim and a victim could be an offender. So it turned into a conversation about victims and offenders as well. And just a whole cycle of how can that harm be redeemed or how can a person be redeemable if they committed certain harms and how can you redeem the person who was harmed? How can you heal what is now broken through a harm? Easier done if it's like property that's broken, but when is something deeper than that, when it's spirits and relationships that are broken, how do you heal that? And that came out of us just having a conversation that was very open, very transparent, very vulnerable. And I learned a lot about a friend of mine that I've known for over 10 years, but we've never had like really deep conversations, always superficial ones, always hanging out, chilling, turning up, but we never had a real deep conversation. So in that deep conversation, I learned a lot of things about her that helped me understand her perspective of the world, which helped me grow as someone who wants to eventually change the world. It helped me understand that in order to change the world, you have to understand people's stories that shape their reality. But it also helped me open up with certain things. And then we all just had this open conversation, this emotionally intelligent conversation, this very mature conversation that helped not only us individually heal, because now we're talking about it out loud. It also helped us um, grow and mature and have a, a better understanding of how you heal. And it also reminded me of a conversation I was having with my best friend earlier that last week now where we were talking about, once again, broken relationships. And I wound up talking about, you know, one of my broken relationships. And he knew the relationship was broken, but he didn't know why. So he asked me like, yo, why, what happened again? And as I was telling him the story as to what led to the brokenness in the relationship, I started to tear up. And I was like, whoa, I guess I feel way, more hurt by this situation than I thought I did because I never really talked out loud about why the relationship was broken, even though I knew the relationship was broken. And it wasn't until I said it out loud and had that honest conversation that I was able to realize you're hurt by this. And so it just, between that conversation with my best friend and the conversation with my two friends about, you know, just victimization and the needing, the needing for healing and reconciliation because it also led to, you know, the conversation about molestation in the family and you have to reconcile those kind of things versus maybe in the community, it's easier to reconcile it and never see the person again versus in your family. If it's a family member that molested you or if it's a family member that hurt you or if it's a family member that harmed you, reconciling is harder. And so between those conversations, it just, uh, really had me thinking on healing through honesty. And <laughs> the need to be honest with the person who's harmed you, who can very well be a person who was harmed themselves, because that was another part of the conversation. We were talking about, you know, relationships with fathers and relationships with siblings and relationships with mothers and relationships with family members. And Though it may not be a physical harm like molestation, it could be some kind of deep-rooted spiritual harm that if you're not honest with, or if the person who harmed you is not honest with, if there's no honesty, there could be no healing. 
And so, uh, lost my train of thought. But the whole con the whole conversation with my two friends and with my best friend helped me realize how much healing there is just in conversation alone. But it has to be honest conversation, honest with not only yourself, that's what I was saying, not only honest with yourself that you are hurt, like when I was speaking with my best friend and I had to acknowledge and be honest with myself that I was hurt about something that happened over a year ago. And honest with the person that harmed you. And then that person that harmed you has to be honest with themselves as well and be honest in the communication with the person they harmed. So I kind of went to God about it. Yes, I said kind of, but <laughs> I, I, I superficially went to God about it. Like, so God, what does healing through honesty look like with you? Wow. Wow. And it had me thinking like, when we talk about God being a healer, we always, or I don't want to say always, I don't want to speak in absolute terms or for everyone, but I know some people tend to think, automatically when you're talking about Jesus as a healer, as a physical healer. Healing the lame, healing the blind, healing the sick, healing the woman with the issue of blood. That's what you tend to go to. But we have to also remember that Jesus is a healer of the brokenhearted, the broken spirited. And the sick does not just mean physically sick. It can mean mentally sick. It can mean emotionally sick. It can mean physically sick. It can mean spiritually sick. It can mean relationally sick. And that sick is not just, once again, some small word that only has one meaning. And so when it comes to healing through honesty with Jesus, it took me to James 5, and I'll start at 13, and I'll go down to 17, 16 or something, 16. Is anyone among you, well, this is the ESV version. Is, any, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. And right there, I just wanted to pause because when you're suffering, the Bible tells that person that's suffering to pray. When you're cheerful, it tells the Bible that that person that's cheerful to praise. But it says when you're sick, let the elders pray over you. So it right there is saying that there has to be someone else involved in the healing, right? But in order for that someone else to pray over you and be involved in the healing, they have to know what they're praying for, right? Anyway, going on. That's good. Pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Emphasis on verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so that gave or revealed or it was given to me that when you're sick, not just when you're suffering, but when you're sick, mm -hmm. you have to involve someone else to help you in your healing. And you have to thus confess your sins. In another version, it says confess your faults. But it just says emphasis in the word confess, meaning you have to say with your mouth and speak out loud that thing that is sick, that is wrong, that is at fault to one another and then you can pray for one another that you may be healed so that you may be healed has to like that that word that means that you have to do something else first for that to happen so you have to confess meaning have that conversation mm -hmm. that honest conversation mm -hmm. that you may be healed and 
it, it reminds me of when Jay-Z was like, you can't hear what you don't reveal, mm-hmm. which granted he may have got from someone else, but I don't know from Jay. And he was like, you can't heal what you don't reveal. So you cannot, that heal that you may be healed can't happen until you reveal, so you confess. And it may, a conversation means there's more than one person involved. So, and confessing means there's another person involved, whether that confessing be to the elders or to Jesus or to someone else, to your brother, to whoever you sinned against. That means there's some kind of conversation that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And there has to be some kind of honesty, revelation, revealing of before there can be that healing. And then it just reminds me of, how broken people are and how broken the world is. And when we think of healing too, we also just think of like healing the sick, but things that are broken need healing. Mm-hmm. So when you see broken relationships, when you see broken people, when you see a broken nation, when you see broken communities, they need healing. And that's gonna start from honest conversations. I think that's so good because um, when I was speaking with one of my best friends, what's today? Thursday. So I guess when I was speaking with one of my best friends on Tuesday, um, she was sharing something with me that she wasn't sure that she had shared with me. And when she shared it, I'm like, yeah, bro, you definitely didn't. And it was pretty much like a diagnosis from a doc, from the doctor or whatever. So she was able to share things with me and tell me how it like, made her feel. But one of the things that she shared is that she didn't know that she felt this way until um, her mom came and hugged her. And like, she was, she thought that she was cool. Like it ain't that big of a deal, you know, like, I mean, it's a big deal, but you know, I trust God type of thing. And it wasn't until her mom came over and was just like, how are you? and hooked her that she started crying like oh wait maybe i am feeling something but it wasn't until she had to acknowledge that and then something similar of another best friend um of them like working in corporate america and you know kind of becoming sort of like this quote-unquote like black voice (laughs) for um their team or just because there isn't a lot of black faces and black voices where she works. And she said that when they, I guess, like opened up the space for them to have dialogue about what was happening in America and how it was affecting black America and her personally, initially, she wasn't going to say anything, but kind of felt led to. And when she did, she said her voice kind of started cracking and she was like, hold on, wait now. Like I'm a little bit more affected than I thought that I was. And one of the things like after having all these conversations, even with myself, I know, I think I shared it last week i don't know about the fear that i had and it was kind of like laying dormant about me flying and i didn't know um until i guess i had to confront it or acknowledge it until i had to exercise my faith that this fear was literally lying there like i thought that maybe i was apprehensive i was being overly cautious but i didn't know that there was actually like something inside of me that was laying i'm gonna just use the word dormant until i had to acknowledge it or face it and so one of the things that i was communicating to my friends is that a lot of times i think that we can have these feelings or these emotions it's kind of just like um I don't want to use sin, but kind of it's kind of just like, you know, a seed from the enemy. Right. He is so subtle that it is slide in and where if you just like, let's just say unforgiveness, you can think like I'm past it. I don't need to talk about it. It is what it is. But then every time you're around that person or every time somebody brings up that person's name, it's like a little something flutters. And you thinking that you're past it and you acting like everything's okay, but you really haven't confronted it because you haven't like um, Dana said, confessed it or 
um, had to acknowledge it and bring it to a conversation. And so now this thing that was just initially just offense turned into unforgiveness, which turned into bitterness, which is now blocking your blessings. And it's just like this spiral effect just because we haven't confronted that thing. So I think that, you know, that healing through honesty is so true because one of the things I'm at another friend's house right now and we were talking about how confrontation isn't always the easiest thing to have, whether it is with friends or whether it is in business. And I was like, oh, are you referring to the hard talks? And she was just like, yeah, like I just don't like it. And I was like, no, that's kind of crazy because I feel like we're in similar seasons where God, my mom was telling me like, Cassandra, you don't like confrontation. I said, what? I'm an amazing communicator. Like I love being able to talk things through. She's like, just because you're a great communicator doesn't mean that you like confrontation. And I was like, well, I don't think that there's an issue with confrontation. I just don't like, you know, I don't like what could be the side effects of it. Meaning like we can have a discussion, we can lay it on the table, but then let's be healed and move forward from it. And I think one of the most beautiful things that Dana shared is that, you know, they were having an adult conversation where they were able to be vulnerable, able to be transparent. And through that, I guess, common ground of openness and willingness and transparency and vulner vulnerability, but also like the willingness to hear the other side with a coming from a place of an open mind to receive and like actually learn the other person's perspective and their story. It provided this beautiful space for them to grow individually as well as collectively. And so when I was talking to my friend last night, even before I knew what our topic was, when I was talking to my friend last night about, you know, the uncomfortability of those vulnerable or hard talks or difficult conversations to have, um, it's I think it's so beautiful that this is this is what's needed to help us grow. And even with some of my the ladies who are in my five month author program who are writing their book, they come to me and they have to relive a lot of the things that has happened to them because now they're writing about it. And they're asking me, like, you know, Cassandra, you were vulnerable in your first book. Like, how did you get through it? Did you have conversations with some of the people? Did you just write the book and like it is what it is? Like what? you know, what was your process? And I always have to go back to this space of, you know, my process is different from yours. So I can tell you what I did, but we have to really examine your situation. Like for me, I write to release. And I didn't know that until one of more previous years that I, I received healing through my writing because it's kind of like a therapeutic thing for me. So as I'm writing, I'm releasing it. But that doesn't mean that just because I've written about something that I'm not supposed to still have a conversation about it. And that's what my, my I'm currently in that season of like, I think I can write a journalist guy and it'd be good. But no, it's not always good. And you sometimes have to have those conversations to hear other people's perspective, to see, you know, where the miscommunication or the breakdown came in or even just to learn more about them. So when it comes to with the ladies from my writers group um, and them having having to decide if they should have these conversations with people, whether they're in their present or past or move forward, you have to take I, I must just say you have to take every situation in the present like what does this person mean to you um will do you feel like this will bring resolve or greater understanding or even just closure sometimes we want to receive like restore that friendship but 
seasons change. And so every friendship is not to be restored, but that doesn't mean that you can't have closure and healing and resolve in order for you both to move forward freely. Because it can be years and you thinking that you over this situation, you thinking that you're good, like, but out of sight is out of mind until that person pop up at a barbecue or somebody brings it up and then you like, hold up now. <laughs> I thought I was past this, but obviously there's a little something that's there. And so once you realize that there is a little something that's there, I think that it's something that's so beautiful for us to build the courage because it is courage because vulnerability is not always easy. Being transparent is not always easy, but building the courage to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there to have these conversations and acknowledge them, whether it is with that person or just with a person being a therapist, a friend, a counselor, a spiritual guide or advisor, you know, having those conversations so that you can get to the realization or I guess get to the action of what, what is my next, what, what are the next moves that I need to make? That was one thing I was like battling with as well, because when I was having the conversation with my homegirls, I also had to recognize the sense. And I said that too that night. I said, I ended off the conversation saying, these are the conversations that people need to be having in all of their friend circles and all their family circles and all their church circles, blah, blah, blah. But then I thought about it. I was like, everybody ate me and my group of people. Like I'm have, and I said, that, I said, we have the privilege of having a group of people who are all educated, highly educated, having higher education and then some having exposure because we had the financial stability and ability to be exposed to different cultures and parts of the world. Like we all traveled the world. We all have had experiences growing up and in our adulthood that a lot of people don't have the ability to have. And because of that, we have a level of maturity and emotional intelligence and regular intelligence that allows us to have these conversations. Everybody don't got that. And so with knowing that everybody don't got that, I was like, how do you maneuver conversations in groups of in groups where people are less able? Mm-hmm. And also realizing that just because you are honest with yourself doesn't mean that the person you're talking to has been honest with themselves and is ready to have honest communication. That's something else that came up in our conversation as we were talking about the reconciliation of in families. And one thing that I've heard over and over from people is that when they try and reconcile with family members, most of the times their fathers, because I have multiple friends that I've had this conversation with, fathers who left them or were not present in their upbringing, when they go to have those, when they become mature enough in their adulthood and ready enough and honest enough to have those conversations with their fathers, their fathers are still very immature from back when my friends were first born 30 plus years ago. Like they still have the same mindset and holding on to the same anger and whatnot from 30 plus years ago from when my friends were born. And so when my friends who are honest and emotionally intelligent and able and mature enough to have the conversations, they're having it with someone who is not. And so there's that inability to, yes, that barrier divide and inability to properly heal and reconcile. So then that was something I was battling with, like how do you have these honest conversations, even if it is just for closure, if there's only one party that's honest? Because that's something else I was talking about with my best friend in another conversation, in the other conversation, where I was saying, I'm doing everything and exhausting every avenue. This person just ain't receiving it. Whether it be justified or not, they're not honest with themselves, so they're not able to receive what I'm saying. And I have literally tried every way to get them to have a conversation. I have done everything to get them to feel valued, and yet and still, they are not hearing or doing. And then he was like, well, maybe they're not being honest with themselves. 
And so how, what am I supposed to do? I, and, and that's what I told him. I was like, at this point, it's on them because I've done everything I can at this point. So if that person is not honest with themselves so much so that they can't even hear what the honest person is saying, how is there going to be that reconciliation? And so also I was just thinking of the different ways or the different barriers to honest communication. And another thing that came to me was humility. I was teaching on humility and or studying on humility with my group on um, Tuesday for Bible study. And we've been in Philippians and I really looked to Paul, though he's not like my person, like David, Moses, Esther are my people. But Paul, I look to as a mentor. And so I really uh, aspire to be taught under his teachings. And in Philippians, he was it's really a book about humility and what we studied on Tuesday was just his greeting in Philippians 1, 1 and 1, 2, and how he is just showing this model of humility and how that humility can lead to unity in the spirit and the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to healing broken relationships and trying to get unity back or reconciliation back, it requires humility and being honest also requires being humble because you got to humble yourself to have honest conversations. If you're filled with pride, like I do nothing wrong, I'm not gonna be the big person, I'm not gonna talk to this person, then you're not gonna have an honest conversation. And so sometimes the humility is the barrier that even if you're honest with yourself, you haven't humbled yourself to have that conversation. I mean, there's obviously a lot of reasons why people don't have honest conversations, but just thinking of some of these barriers I then was with God, like, okay, so how are you supposed to get past these barriers? And the only thing you know I got was from James 5, so just pray for one another, confess your sins and pray for one another because the prayer of the righteous uh, availeth much. One of the things that um, I've been learning lately is seeking God before I make the move. And so even it, because obviously we have to humble ourselves in prayer so that I can even receive because it's not always just what you say and how you say it, but when you say it because timing matters. And so when I'm praying to God, like, okay, God, I know that you're telling me that I need to have this conversation. And I know that I need to have this conversation and I'm ready to have this conversation. So God prepare their hearts and their minds to receive, but prepare my heart and my mind to receive too. Because I think that humility is definitely twofold. Like not only do I have to be in this place of humility to be vulnerable, to even show up to the conversation and have the hard talk or have the vulnerable conversation, but also I need to be humble enough to receive this other person's perspective, how they feel because how their feelings are valid you know whatever you know people feelings are not always valid but okay <laughs> this is where we differ i believe that everybody's feelings are valid because they are their feelings nevertheless I based in a lie. Hmm? What, if what if their feelings are based in a lie it's it's still their truth I didn't say that, but it's real i'll say it's real their feelings are real but i won't say that they're always valid but that's my opinion Amen. And so with that being said, just to be able to acknowledge, like, even if their feelings are based in a lie, that their feelings are real. So mm -hmm. even if they aren't valid, they're real. And so to acknowledge how they feel is 
a necessity because we can keep on going back and forth about, okay, but <laughs> bro, it wasn't even that deep or it was a lie or whatever the situation is. Like, you know, that's not the truth, but you're still hurt by it. So let me acknowledge that you're hurt, you know, apologize if necessary. I always feel like an apology is necessary because even if I'm not apologizing for what I did or what I said, like for how it made you feel, like I do apologize and I'm sincerely sorry because that was never my intent. And even if it was, if it was ever my intent and there was malicious intent or intentionality to hurt you, now I'm really apologetic and I'm really sorry. But nevertheless, when it comes to this humility, I have been at this place where I'm seeking God, like prepare their hearts and their minds to receive. And then I had to switch up my prayer. Like God, prepare my heart and my mind to receive because it's not a, it's a two way conversation, just like any conversation, right? It's not just I'm speaking and I'm letting out and I'm pouring. I'm able to tell you, you know, how I feel, but now I got to shut up. I got to acknowledge that you probably feel some type of way too. And now how do we get to this resolve? And I think that that over the last few weeks or even months even have been my issues in personal relationships and in business is not so much that it is an uncomfortable feeling to get vulnerable, to get transparent, to have the heart talks or, you know, the vulnerable communication. But then it's just like, okay, how is this going to go? So like the uncertainty of how this will end or if it, you know, and that's why the prayer piece is so important because we're able to go to God for the guidance, for the instructions, for the direction. And so one of the most beautiful things is like, I am of course asking God to prepare their hearts and minds, to prepare my heart and mind, to give me the words to speak. I'm entering into as many conversations as possible with prayer and closing out with them as well. So that the presence and God, so that God's presence and the Holy spirit is there to guide us. But at the end of the day, I know that there, it requires a dying to the flesh of me. Um, even in the midst of the conversation. And then also, like I said, that timing, because I have finally been in places and in situations where I'm ready to have the conversation. I have gotten the courage. I already got my talking notes. I'm ready. I'm prepared. And God is like, not now. I'm like, what? You didn't build me up. Like, I'm ready. Let's go, God. He's like, they're not ready. And so when you get to those situations where the person isn't ready to receive and God specifically told you this, then you have to humble yourself into this place of consistent forgiveness, like and consistent, like I know that the time will come where I'm able to have this conversation. But until then, I have to get to this place of resolve with God because I cannot allow this thing to hinder me until God is telling me that now we can get to this mutual place of conversation. Now, when it does come to things that are like with family members or people who may not be at the same spiritual level as you, this is when we have to consistently go to God in prayer because when things are out of our control, they are still in God's control. And I know that sometimes it's difficult for us to have a spiritual solution to a natural problem, but we have to remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So everything begins in the spirit regardless, right? And so if we're going to God, we're consistently praying, we are even fasting so that we can get to this place of them being prepared and us being in this place of unity or on one accord on the same level for us to have the conversation, then I, I know and I believe that God will present that opportunity for you to get to that, to have that healing, to have that true, you know, natural conversation. But if you don't get to that place, if you are dealing with people who may never get to this place of surrenderance or humility, then what do we do? Which is why I feel like it's so important for us to first get that healing and that resolve from our father who is in heaven before we seek to get that healing and that resolve and get to those solutions or closure with the people in the natural. Because regardless of 
if somebody says sorry or not, or if somebody acknowledges how I feel or not, I need to have peace that whether they acknowledge me or not, whether we have this conversation or not, that I am healed and whole enough to move forward without it. Well, it's been 30 minutes, 33. All right. So um, one of the things that you said on the talk, we can definitely end with this is um, he was like, who are you? who are your, I mean, your people and you named your people in the Bible. I think that would be a great covenant conversation of us talking about our people. Cassandra, thanks for the reminder of keeping this upcoming conversation in prayer with God because I definitely don't want to move without it being the right time that God wants it to happen. Timing matters. What is it? And I'm going to say, what does it have a conversation about? I love that. Like, I loved you saying your people. I would have, because if that was the, if that, if we weren't on a specific topic, I would have asked you, oh, like, why are there your people? You know, I would have wanted to dive more into that because your people, the three people that you named are, are literally my people. And I'm like, yo, this is covenant on another level. Like, and I just wanted to know. I mean, maybe it's something we can have offline, but I think that is great. I ain't about to be. That's no, the level. No, I think that's great because you even, no, you, and even you use a term that I think is great because you said that Paul is your mentor. And I'm like, wow, like how much power and substance is in that um, of being able to learn from the scriptures, but also from the people and their stories and just the intentionality of saying like, you know, he's a mentor. And a lot of times we think that the, our mentors have to be people that we can physically touch or, I don't know, I just felt like it was, it's a great conversation to have pertaining to biblical truths and um, inserting yourself in the story, but also making sure that it affects your life. But we don't have to girl, it was, it was just something that stood out to me that I thought was a great talking piece. Well, like I was about to say, we can have that conversation offline. I'm going to put my business online. I'll put my business online. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to wake up again with new mercy and new grace, see this side of heaven and walk fully in your, or walk in your purpose in our strive and effort to strive to walk fully in your purpose for our lives. Thank you for the access to one another across time and space. Thank you for the privileges and the blessings and the favor that we may take for granted, both big and small. Thank you for the opportunity to have another conversation, another honest conversation, open the hearts and minds of people to receive conversations like this and others within their family units, within their church ministries, within their friend circles, within their professional circles and within conversations with uh, strangers. Let people just be more honest with themselves and with others and help them understand that that honesty starts with you. Direct and guide conversations, especially in this time where they are so important to heal broken people and this broken land. Let us not just be hearers of today's conversation, but doers of it. Be with us throughout the week. Protect us in our hearts, minds, spirits, and bodies as we continue to fight pandemics in the natural and the spiritual. In Jesus' name I pray and for his sake. Amen. Amen. I want to say one last thing before we close out. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to be a little bit truthful and vulnerable that getting to that place of humility isn't always easy. 
Sometimes it can hurt and even feel like a breaking, um, especially if God is telling you to wait or be still or not now. And so I just want you to be encouraged that you just need to consistently humble yourself in prayer and consistently go to God, even while waiting for his perfect timing and waiting for him to release you to have those hard conversations. So I just wanted to encourage everybody who's listening, especially Shakidra, because I know that you said that you're still praying about the right timing, but know that also environment matters. Right. And so while you're praying for the right timing, the who, what, when, where is important as well, as well, because you don't want to invite them into your space. You don't want to go into their territory. If it's in an in-person conversation, you will want it to be on mutual ground or some place that, you know, a Chick-fil-A. I don't know. But I just wanted to I feel led to share those uh, two things about, you know, pressing into God's presence, even in the midst of, of what you view as a delay, but it's really just of an alignment of his perfect timing, as well as um, the where, even seeking God for the where, because details matter. You are more than welcome, Jaleesa. Be encouraged, blessed, and celebrated, guys. We love you. Bye. Who am I? Am I ready?